Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Jamie Henderson, General Manager with the Sioux Thunderbirds and Head Coach of the Sioux Junior Greyhounds U18 AAA. A hockey and golf enthusiast, Jamie has cemented himself in the Sault Ste. Marie hockey community and has gained a lot of experience in the process. With a drive to help players succeed and extensive knowledge of the game, he brings a lot of great information for coaches at both the junior and minor hockey level, making for another great interview on the podcast. With that, here's Jamie Henderson, General Manager with the Sioux Thunderbirds and Head Coach of the Sioux Junior Greyhounds U18 AAA. regular season continues in hockey, we know that the season won't be around forever, and in basketball it's the same. So get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. You just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. You can feel the sweat like never before, as every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. And baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the Daily Fantasy action, where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Jamie Henderson, general manager with the Sioux Thunderbirds and head coach with the Sioux Junior Greyhounds U18 AAA team. Jamie, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And and I know we met each other a few years back in Peterborough. I remember it was a negative 30 day. It was a <laughs> good day to be in the rinks. But anyway, um, it's great to catch up again. And now we can talk about your career, get to know you a little bit better. So Let's just start off by talking about you personally, maybe touch on your upbringing, playing sports in your early years, and just give a, some overview of you and your life. Yeah, well, uh, again, thanks for having me on. It's great to 
talk hockey in these uh these different times i mean uh, not unlike a lot of kids uh you know i grew up with a lot of sports not necessarily um you know hockey right off the bat i, I played uh you know i played pretty much all the sports baseball and basketball was kind of base basketball was probably the one sport that I kind of gravitated towards uh, tennis and golf later on, which I really gravitated towards. And, and then I kind of got into hockey a little bit later and um, uh, played some football in high school as well. So kind of a little bit of, uh, I could say, uh, you know, I like playing all the different sports and um, probably, you know, I got such a late start in hockey that I wasn't going to be a hockey player. Um, and uh, you know, so I got into golf and kind of got okay at it, I guess. And uh decided to, to make a career in, in the business side of golf. And, um, you know, it kind of allowed me to get into hockey later on. So it's kind of funny how everything's kind of developed here, but it's, uh, it's, you know, we have such a short golf season here in, in Northern Ontario. I spent a little while in, um, in Toronto, about eight or nine years in Toronto. I worked at Angus Glen, which is a really, uh, you know, great golf course. We held some huge events. And, uh, so it really taught me the business side of golf, which I, ultimately ended up using kind of down the road in the hockey management side of things as well. Um, you know, understanding budgets and, you know, advertising and sales and all that kind of stuff. And, and then uh, decided to move back home. And that's when I got kind of hooked on uh, really hooked on hockey and coaching and all that. And um, you know, it's been, uh, I, I've never, I haven't left uh, now for about 14 years. So it's great to, you know, be somewhere like Sault Ste. Marie hockey's pretty much everything here. And uh for the most part, it's not really, we don't really have hockey season. It's, it's always hockey season. It seems like, so um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a great little run so far and uh, looking forward to what, uh, what comes next. Definitely. And I think anytime you're just involved in sports and whether it's hockey, golf, uh, you know, being involved in your passion for your day job and, and then also in the evenings in the rinks and stuff, it's just, it's great when you can kind of pursue that. And uh, for you in school, that ultimately kind of led you uh, to Humber. Just talk about the decision to go there and then your decision to pursue golf management and just the overall experience. Yeah, well, it's actually interesting. So my my grandfather, like I didn't really know what I wanted to do after high school. I I, um, I applied. I'm pretty sure it's been a while now, but I think it was Ottawa, Carleton and Windsor. And I was going to go either in like criminology or business. And then um, I wasn't 100 percent sure. So my grandfather ran the uh, the restaurant operations of a little golf course outside London. So I. You know, I kind of had talked to some smaller schools about going to play golf, like on a golf team in the States. But at that time, the dollar was really bad. We just financially, we could not have afforded that. So I went to work at this golf course after high school. I took a year off and literally I was watching TSN one day and they had um, an advertisement for this golf management program. It was brand new. Uh, they were just accepting their first year at that time. So I thought, you know, I kind of learned a little bit of the operations of the golf course and I applied and I got in. I think I was the maybe the third class at Humber starting in 98. Um, like I said, but I had no vision of that in high school. I mean, I didn't even know such things existed. So, um, you know, to, to go to London, we had a lot of family in London, so I knew London really well, but then to go to, you know, Humber and Toronto and, you know, Tobacco, that was kind of a new world for me. I mean, that was, even though London's a big city, but going there was a, you know, pretty eye-opening experience for me. So I took the three-year business program there and, just got to meet some unbelievable people. And, um, you know, uh, my boss there at the time is now the president of the PGA. And so we really learned the ins and outs of, it was kind of like uh, learning golf, the golf business on steroids there. I mean, we had two golf courses, uh, tournaments every day, a huge staff. I think we had 19 golf pros at one point. And, you know, that's how big the, you know, the operations were. We had the Canadian Open, the ladies Canadian Open, uh, a skins game. So, 
you know, it was kind of like every, it's felt like every other day there was Vince Carter there, you know, Mike Weir there, like there was always something exciting. And for somebody from the Sioux, I mean, like I was pretty small town going there. So that was pretty, pretty cool. And then there was a lot of hockey tournaments too. So we would, you know, get to kind of mingle and talk to all these legends. And I have actually just behind me some old hockey sticks of like one day, for example, they had the team Canada 72 reunion golf tournament there. So, you know, getting to sit and talk uh, with Phil Esposito for a little while, right. For again, like a kid from the Sioux, that was really exciting. So, you know, it's, I was there for uh, just over seven years and it was a, a really uh, exciting time in my life. You know, a young guy in Toronto, 21, 22, I was going there and um, spending my kind of twenties there. It really opened my eyes and it got me kind of hooked on golf and the golf business and the challenges. It's not a, it's not an easy business. I wasn't sure exactly what that was going to lead to, you know, further, you know, kind of in my career. But, uh, you know, I, I eventually decided that I wanted to run the golf course myself and be, you know, be the head pro or the, the general manager. And eventually I was able to come home and do that. Yeah. And then earlier on, uh, just building on that, you talked about moving home and then really diving into hockey. Um, you know, let's move into that direction and talk about first, uh, your first stint with the Sioux Thunderbirds this time working as an assistant coach, just walk us through the process of joining the team and then maybe the, the role of an assistant coach in that organization. Yeah. So when I, when I got home, um, I, I actually uh, met Mike Oliveira. Mike was a well-known Sioux Greyhound here. He's a local firefighter and he's a, a scout for the Flint Firebirds. You know, he's with Plymouth, I think at the time. And he was, uh, I started skating with these guys, uh, you know, it was Mike Oliveira, Chris Felix, all the, all the kind of, uh, the veterans, uh, the veteran OHL guys and pro guys who had retired. And he, he was doing a whole bunch of hockey camps and he got me to help out. And that kind of, kind of fueled my fire. And then I ended up spending um, uh, a year with the local high school and we ended up having a really special season. We won off to gold. And so that really, that really, I tell people all the time, like that's kind of what, what got me into hockey was that high school season. I ended up um, being there for two years, but, having that kind of magical run with that team. And uh, Sean Daniel was the head coach of the Sioux Thunderbirds uh, ex NHLer at the time. And kind of, I think kind of appreciated the effort that I was doing with the high school team. And we knew each other a little bit off the ice. And so he, uh, he uh, offered me the opportunity to go and be his assistant. Unfortunately, it didn't last uh, too long with Sean. He, he, um, he uh, you know, him and management kind of didn't see eye to eye. And so Preston Mitzi came, ended up coming on board and we were really close friends. Um, so it worked out great. And that first year we had, um, we, you know, we had a great team. We ended up losing in the semis to Jake Patterson and the Sioux Eagles. And Jake was, I'm not sure where his career has gone, but Jake was a unbelievable goalie at that level. And I think played some time in Saginaw and he was just a young, I think he was a 16 year old, but him and uh, Michael Doan, who was our goalie, they put on one of the best performances I've ever seen in that year. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was just through a little bit of effort and kind of some luck, um, you know, getting to experience that high school season. And then, you know, they brought me on board and, um, you know, I just fell in love with it right away. I, I fell in love with everything with the, with the organization and the opportunity to, to help, um, you know, younger hockey players. And, um, you know, I was kind of just a sponge trying to learn as much as I could. And in the summers uh, we were helping out with the, with the pro and OHL ice and really getting to learn from a lot of those guys. And that was kind of my apprenticeship almost in hockey was, you know, being around those NHLers at the time, you know, Rico Fadden, Tyler Kennedy and, um, you know, Jeremy Stevenson, like our summer skates were pretty intense up here back in the day. So that was kind of, that really got me going. And then, um, you know, our next season was one of those magical years that I'll never forget as long as I'm, you know, on this earth was 
you know, winning uh, the first ever Dudley Hewitt for with the Sioux Thunderbirds and and uh, earning an opportunity to go to the RBC Cup. And we just had an unbelievable group that year. I really uh, I think we had 19 local players. Um, so to get 19 to win something like that with 19 kids from the Sioux, that was pretty special. Yeah, definitely. I think whenever, uh, you know, you get you get players from that region, it just adds to, uh, you know, the hometown feel of the team. And then when you're able to be successful with that group, it's it's even more special. And just even building on with that team, you also eventually moved into management first, an assistant general manager, and then eventually the GM. Uh, just talk about the learning curve, maybe associated with those positions and this the process of kind of moving up with the team as well. Yeah, I mean, totally different. So they, that second year of the Thunderbirds, um, Kyle, interesting story, Kyle Dubas used to actually work for me at the golf course that I was running. Uh, so um, I, I knew him a little bit, obviously. And um, after my second year, I was invited to join them for their training camp. I think it was like Nick Cousins year and Daniel Catanacci's uh, year. So I was around them at training camp and really got to kind of see, you know, what went into an OHL training camp and and kind of being on the meetings and, and to see what, um, you know, Kyle was, was building in that program, which was, you know, which was unbelievable, obviously. And, um, so it kind of got me, you know, again, I was running the golf course, so I was always kind of interested in the business side of things. And so after I left, um, the Thunderbirds the first time, uh, they asked me to come back in a, in a management capacity. And I jumped at the opportunity to kind of learn that side of things and the business operations and, um, you know, trying to build a team and, you know, it's not easy at this, at this level, you know, there's, you know, there's players from all over the place and, um, you know, there's players that are maybe looking to move on. Sometimes you have young players looking for a place to play. You have uh, OHL draft picks, not sure if they're going to make the team, not make the team, you know, making sure they have somewhere to play. Um, and then obviously, you know, just your, your day-to-day, you know, making sure everything's running smoothly in the travel. It's quite a bit of travel up here in the North with, uh, in this league. Um, so yeah, lots of things, uh, kind of thrown at me pretty quickly, but, um, you know, it was great to work with Kevin Kane. He was there a long time and we knew each other really well for my first stint. And so when they offered me a, an opportunity to come back and get into management, it was a no brainer. And my second year, you know, Kevin stepped aside to kind of oversee things and allowed me to be the general manager. And, and I really appreciate that opportunity. And it, uh, you know, it was great. And, uh, you know, we had, you know, great success. We won our second Dudley and, and I think it was four years, um, got to another RBC cup. And so it was just with another group of unbelievable players. And, um, you know, those were really special memories that I'll never forget. It, it really sounds like it was a great experience. And, uh, you know, one of the best things about that position was actually being able to work as an assistant coach, assistant general manager, general manager, and really move up the ladder and try different things. And, um, eventually the next opportunity would come outside of the team this time as the director of hockey operations with Lake Superior State University. Uh, again, walk us through the process of kind of going in that direction and, and maybe the difference in that position as opposed to the ones that you did before. Yeah, well, you know, unfortunately for me, the team was sold. So we, after my year as um, general manager, we were, um, we lost in the Dudley finals to Trenton up in Kirkland Lake. And it would have been, you know, three, it would have been three RBCs in five years, which, you know, we were so close. It would have been, you know, unbelievable, but it was still, you know, awesome. But the team was sold and um, they wanted to go in a different direction, which, you know, happens at this, you know, in any business. Um, So, you know, they went with different people, which was fine. And um, I got a call from coach Witten. I knew kind of, I knew Rich Mitro, who was an assistant coach at the time. I knew him. And um, one of the players that we had had Owen Hedrick was a, was a, was a Laker 
And um, so they, that was kind of the connection. And when coach, uh, you know, when they called me and, uh, you know, brought me over there and we had a talk, I, I just felt like it would be a perfect fit. And, and it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was really one of the more enjoyable experiences I've had. It was such a big jump, you know, from, we know we understand that junior hockey to college hockey or to the OHL is a big jump, but really until you, you get there and you're, you're there with these guys every day on the ice, it was, it was a big jump. So for me, the big part was, you know, coach was, was pretty much like whatever you're able to do, whatever you're able to help out, you know, great. That's what, you know, basically kind of left it sort of open-ended. Well, I'm kind of an all-in guy. So, um, you know, I was on the ice every day at practice. I would, I would work till about two 30. I'd go in super early to work, work till about two 30, hop in the car, cross the bridge and, you know, be there from, you know, two 45 till about six o'clock, six 30 or so. And, um, they allowed, you know, I was on the ice every day, helping out, uh, whatever I could with the coaches. Uh, we were getting obviously pre-scouts ready and, um, you know, video ready. And during the games, I was cutting the videos up top and, you know, going down in the intermissions and, and, you know, offering my insights as to what I'm seeing from up top, maybe. So it was really, uh, you know, it was awesome. We had a really good group of guys that year, you know, it was a little different, a little nerve wracking at the start, you know, you go into a new situation. Everybody's like, you know, who's this guy kind of thing. Right. But, um, it was, uh, it was really good. The guys were really welcoming and, and coach Witten and coach Mitro really, um, you know, helped me out. And that's really what kind of fueled my desire to get back into coaching was that year there and being able to work with some of these guys, um, on the ice and off the ice, you know, through video and this and that, you know, we'd, you know, be some bus rides home where guys would come and sit in the seat beside me and we'd go over some of their clips. And so it was, it was really cool. And obviously, you know, D1 hockey is a different, uh, you know, we're used to the OHL here, but when you go into Michigan or Michigan Tech or um, Minnesota, all these places, like it's a big, big deal, right? So, uh, you know, I'm, the first time I went to to the big house or not the big house, well, we were at the football stadium too, but, uh, you know, the arena in Michigan there, um, you know, just for a kid from the Sioux who, you know, Michigan football was huge and hockey there was huge and I was a big Fab Five fan with uh with basketball so being able to step on the ice there and um you know for practice and that it was really cool and friends with marty turco so you know we won that friday night and texting turks after the game and saying like you guys just lost to the lakers you know kind of rubbing it in a little bit so it was really really uh it was a, it was a cool experience for me um one that i'm really grateful to them for offering me and uh like i said it kind of fueled my desire to get back into coaching yeah, definitely. Just it sounds like another once again a, a list of great experiences there. Being able to take on a very different position and just the different aspects that you talked about there. They, uh, I, I think sometimes people may look at the lateral moves as unnecessary, but really, uh, to me, I think that's a great position to get in and try something different and and really um, work on your craft and then eventually uh, go on to your next challenge. Yeah, I'd I'd always kind of enjoyed the the video side of things, Ryan. Like uh, when I was even with um, the Thunderbirds the first time, and we didn't have the technology that's available today. So, I mean, there's a picture somewhere online of me cutting video in the showers up in uh, up in Thunder Bay at the Dudley Hewitt. I mean, it was just something that I I enjoyed uh, watching the games. I enjoyed the technical parts of the game. I enjoyed picking you know, what we could do better or what the opponent's doing and all that. So that was really an, e an easy fit with the Lakers. And, um, you know, like I said, the, when you get to do it with players too, and they, you know, you feel like you can help them a little bit and, and just your own little small way of, 
of, uh, you know, being able to show them a clip of maybe something we worked on in practice or, you know, maybe try this next time or something like that. Right. And, and it was good as the guys kind of got to know me more, there was more and more trust um, given from both the staff and the players. And, and that, that was great. And, um, you know, after that, the, they started a, you know, minor midget team here for the first time in a while. And that's basically why I left or who knows, I may never have left. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, that was ultimately why I did. And it was a good opportunity for me to start coaching again. And, but I'm really grateful to those guys and, you know, they had a great year this year. So I'm really, um, you know, proud of being there and, and proud of being a Laker there for that one year. But, uh, you know, I'm really happy with what they've done with their program. Well, as you mentioned with the minor midget program, you know, the past number of years, you've been working with AAA uh, level players in, in the Sioux. Uh, just give some insight to those opportunities first, first with the minor midget specific and now the U18 and touch on the experience to work with those players and help them kind of pursue that next level. Yeah, I mean, the, the um, you know, Sioux's one of those, Sioux St. Marie's one of those towns we're kind of right, you know, in the middle. We just, unfortunately, don't have a, a deep enough pool of talent to ice two teams where you have, you know, a U16 now and a U18 team. So, we, you know, we did try it for a couple of years and, you know, it it's great in a couple aspects, you know, especially the, the kids for the tournaments. Like when we would go to those tournaments, like you mentioned, we met in Peterborough, you know, when you go to the Peterboroughs and, um, you know, Waterloo, Gold, Gold Puck, and, uh, you know, these different types of events, it's so exciting. I mean, the kids get so excited. You see the clipboards and the stands and the OHL jackets, and it's, it feels like you're, you know, it's, it's such a cool event. Unfortunately, you know, we were having to bring house league players basically to, to fill the teams. And, you know, our first year, and we, it's kind of an interesting story. We, we were playing, I think it might've been Peterborough and North Bay was playing before us. And this, and I think they had six or seven guys drafted that year. A lot of, a lot of players and the stands were full. And then literally we took to the ice and the stands were empty. And that was the, um, the O2 year, our first year, the O2 age group. And um, they're good players, but, you know, we had lost a couple players to, you know, out of town teams. And I said to my assistant coach at the time, uh, Lane Burton, I said, that'll never happen again here in the Sioux, like with the Sioux St. Marie team, that guys are actually leaving. And so, you know, we had uh, next year, you know, we had Jack Mateer and Tyler Dunbar and, you know, it was the opposite of that. We'd go to tournaments and they'd be fully. I remember us going to London and literally you couldn't, you find a spot to watch the game up top. And so, you know, when you see the likes of uh, Mark Hunter at your games and all that, it's like, okay, now, now we're in the right, you know, we're, we're heading in the right direction here with, with hockey in the Sioux. So, you know, ultimately it was, it was tough. We just didn't have an, a deep enough pool. And what we've really discovered the last two years now with the U18 is, you know, the 15 year old player who's really, really good. Um, instead of going up practice every day with, players not as good as him and maybe even house leaguers well now he gets to go up against maybe that second year u18 player who's not good enough to play in the ohl yet but he's still a darn good player and that really brings the competitiveness up in practice especially and you know when you're playing you know 50 hockey games but you're on the ice 110 times for practice i mean you have to make sure that those i mean that for me is everything is that that practice time so you know for example like this year cooper foster who's a really you know highly touted prospect um you know he gets to go up every day of practice with with some really strong old fours um or even some old threes right so if we just had that one age group here you know i just i really think there's a big benefit for them in terms of getting better at practice um it's super awesome to go to those tournaments it's a lot of fun um the minor the u16 is definitely scouted more heavily 
than the U18 tournaments and the regular league play. But our guys are fortunate. You know, we have some local scouts here, you know, four or five, six teams represented here. Sudbury has another six or seven. So, you know, on a given weekend, you're going to have access to 10 to 15 of the OHL teams. So, you know, there have been players who have left the Sioux over the years to for what they think are greener pastures. Um, but ultimately, as you know, the materials were really kind of hopefully put us back on the map and they, they kind of have led the belief that, you know, if you're good enough, they're going to see you, they're going to find you and you're going to end up being a player. And so there's, there's always discussions about, like I said, greener pastures, but ultimately if you're good enough, they're going to find you here. And it's not like Sault Ste. Marie has not had good hockey players in the past, right? Like when you think of guys from the Sioux, it's well known. And that was one of the messages we had to the team that second year. It's like, you know, we got our lumps given to us that first year. We got beat up quite a bit. And it, it was like, oh, we get to play the Sioux today. You know, like kind of it'd be a good opportunity for them. And then that second year, our thing was like, oh, we have to play the Sioux today. And just those two things, almost exactly the same, but the way you say them, it's like when they play us, now they know we're, they're going to be in for a heck of a game. And and that's through, um, you know, just their, their the commitment here. Our minor hockey's gotten, you know, quite a bit better back to where it was. And, um, you know, the, the commitment of the players and, and the programs, we're really proud of that. And it's, um, it was, it was fun couple of years, but I think really the, the local association did a great job in recognizing that, you know, despite some challenges. And like I said, everybody wants to play in that, you know, we see the GTHL and all that, but ultimately here in Northern Ontario, you know, we, there are some advantages, you know, our kids get to go on buses and really get ready for the next level. You know, there's no buses in the GTHL. There's no overnight road trips. I mean, our guys are bonded all year long. They're on their spend. You know, some of our bus trips are like seven, eight hours, right? So it's, so, uh, you know, Jack, we mentioned Matir, you know, when I was talking to Ottawa, I was like, well, he's ready for your league because he's used to doing homework on the bus. He's used to being on the bus. He's used to missing that school and having to catch up. So all, I think all those things are, are factors which are, which positively affect, um, you know, impact and, and influence our kids here. And, and it's been a great little run here and uh, we're excited to continue to build the program. Yeah. And I, just building on what you said there about like dealing with the travel and everything, that's something that we really harp with our players here in Newfoundland as well. We also use a U18 um, system. So all of our modern midget eligible players play uh, with the older kids. And um, you know, it's something that scouts will see, but a lot of players might not always consider is the fact that uh, scouts will see the fact that, you've been used to bus life. You're not yeah. used to going home and eating a meal. And then an hour before to, you know, the warm up going on to the rink, like there, there is some sacrifice that's, that's made there early on. So yeah, um, that's sure. a really good thing to, uh, to have. Uh, I mean, in your for, arsenal. yeah, for us, I mean, we play three and three, right? So we'll play three and three on these road trips. So if you're Sunday morning or 11 o'clock game after playing, you know, two games in in 48 hours, then you have that third about 12 hours later, I mean, you want to be a player. That's what it's like in the OHL, right? Like yeah. you play, you'll play a Thursday night probably, and then or a Friday. And I don't know if they do three and threes anymore, but you more like three and fours. But you know, you play that Saturday night, and then can you turn around and play at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, or is it going to be a kind of a mail it in day? So, um, you know, I know it's just it's different. It, you know, the ge geography makes it unique, but I think it's something that's really benefits the guys going to the next level. Yeah, for sure, I, I agree, hundred percent, and. Um, you know, talking about another tournament with some travel, the uh, the CCM Challenge, you're able to to coach in that tournament as well, uh, kind of with a with the northern team. Just talk about the short tournament style and, and just the opportunity to to coach there as well. Yeah, that was a pretty unique opportunity. I mean, the the league did a great job, and um, 
you know, I, I think it was, I think the events were going on for a while, but I think it was a great opportunity for kind of the top players in the great North league to get together and showcase themselves. And, you know, one of the players is playing out in the Quebec league that played in that tournament, Ryan Menard, I believe in, in Charlottetown's had a, a nice little season this year. So, you know, and he played in that obviously, but it was, it's just a, you know, it's different here in the North. So, you know, we don't get the, you know, we don't get the, the big showcases like the guys do down South. So, even though it was in Quebec, the, you know, the opportunity to, to go there, it was a long trip. I mean, it was about a 17 or 18 hour bus trip. Um, but, you know, the guys were just so committed. It was such a great group of uh, players and going there with, uh, you know, Sheldon uh, from Capus Casey, a friend of mine, to, to, you know, we coached together and, you know, have an opportunity to do that and to learn and just something totally new, right? Like that was something I had never been part of where it was just a unique, we had one or two practices in Sudbury and then, you know, literally we got on, on the bus and we do some video and have some meetings and kind of try to get everybody on the same page and, you know, but it's kind of a little mini Dudley Hewitt kind of feel to it where you're in a tournament and you're, you're, you know, everybody's kind of pulling the same way. And we ended up, I think, losing in, you know, the quarterfinal, we had no idea how we would do, but uh, we ended up losing in overtime in the quarters in a really, really good game. And the guys, you could tell how much the guys cared because they were really upset after the game when we lost and, um, you know, it was a really cool experience, one that I cherish and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was, um, you know, something, hopefully we can do something like that again down the road. Yeah. I, I always love hearing about those different tournament experiences and, uh, definitely committed to, you know, a 17 hour bus ride. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not something that every team would do and every player yeah. would be excited to join up for, but, yeah. uh, it's great to see that commitment as well. Yeah. It's great to meet new people too. Right. I mean, uh, you know, the cap guys, I got to go really well that week and the trainer, Dave, and, you know, the, the different players, you know, seeing what, you know, what their dreams are in hockey and, you know, and, and just, you know, it was a, like I said, really good experience and would love to take part in something like that again one day. For sure. And, you know, talking about uh, doing experiences again someday, uh, a couple of days ago, you were announced back with the Sioux Thunderbirds taking an opportunity with that staff, just talk about the opportunity to go back with the team and then what you're looking forward to, uh, you know, for this upcoming season. Yeah. So similarly to what happened, you know, uh, I guess it was five years or so ago now, you know, the team was sold uh, once again to um, Cole and his wife, Leanne Jarrett and Trevor Daly. Um, Cole and I have been working together closely on the U18 the last couple of years. And we do a lot of things um, development wise with CJ hockey um, with the younger players, you know, U11s all the way up to, you know, U16, U18, and then we'll be, you know, we run the OHL and pro ice in the summertime and, you know, help those guys get ready for their season. So, you know, this has been in the works kind of for the last year or so we've been talking about being able to own the Thunderbirds and run the Thunderbirds and manage that. And then obviously still keep my U18 hat on and kind of really not, not push, but I guess more steer some players in that direction and be able to work and see what's best for each individual player. And so, you know, when the opportunity came up and they offered me the position, I was super excited. And, um, you know, it's obviously not a new role for me. So I'm going to take a lot of the experiences um, that I that I learned um, the, the last uh, two times with the team. Um, but I've also obviously, you know, learned uh, quite a bit the last five years or, you know, or so um, that I'll that I'll bring to it as well. And, um, you know, different relationships that I'll use and and that and even, you know, the first two days, you're just the thrill of you know, getting players to commit and, and building a team. And, you know, I was saying to my wife last night, I was on the phone, you know, quite a bit the last two days and, 
I got off the phone. I said, oh, I love building a team. Like I just, I love the feeling. I love the rush when you get somebody because ultimately, you know, you're really, it's a big deal for a player to really trust that I'm going to put my trust in your program that you're going to help me get to, to help me reach my dreams. And so that's something I take really, really seriously, you know, for a, whether they're a local player or an out of town player, when we give them our philosophy and we share with them what we want to do as a program and they ultimately decide, yeah, you know what? I want to be part of that. That's a, that's a big deal. It's a big responsibility. And we, we certainly don't take that lightly and um, we're going to do everything we can to, you know, our big thing right now, you know, our big thing with the program is we really want players to move on and whether that's the OHL, whether that's NCA, whether that's Canadian university is we want hockey players and, you know, the old adage, you know, there's people who like hockey and then there's hockey players and we want to find hockey players. We want, we want guys that want to be committed to, to put in the extra work that's necessary, but we also want people who are, you know, good, good people off the ice as well. And we understand that um, that's a big part of it in a community like Sault Ste. Marie, you're very visible, even though we're a Greyhound town first, um, the Sioux Thunderbirds are still very visible in the community and we'll ensure that we're even more visible, um, you know, with uh, minor hockey and, and different things that we can do, but uh, really, really exciting times. And uh, like I said, to be able to kind of form one big program, even though we were separate uh, through name, you know, to be able to kind of see how both things are going. It's uh, it's really exciting times for hockey here in Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. It really does give you a, a full overview of kind of the p- different pathways and evaluate the different levels and where the games too. And, um, then, you know, in those positions, you also act as a great resource with different scouts and everything being in place. And, uh, you know, a lot of teams talk about being in, in a remote location, you know, maybe it's difficult to be scouted and things like that. Uh, maybe just talk a little bit further about that challenge and maybe some different ways that you guys are looking to promote players and, and different things from, a, from a place that's maybe, you know, not as scouted as the GTHL. For sure. I mean, it's, it, it's something we're always, going to battle as being here in Sault Ste. Marie. I mean, um, there are players, you know, at the U18 level who sometimes decide to leave. I think we've done a really good job, you know, last year, you know, going back to Jack's year, obviously having him and, and Tyler Dunbar, who's committed to uh, North Dakota for, I think a couple of years from now um, that really, you know, having high end players like that decide to stay here really started turning things around for us. And then last year, you know, with Mason Chitteroni, uh, sorry, with Connor Toms in the third round of the grounds and, Chitteroni to the London Knights in the fifth and then Devin Morrill um, in the 10th round, you know, again, our, our best players stayed here. And that was really important this year. Cooper Foster, again, a really high end potential, you know, top 30 pick deciding to stay home and, you know, some other players. So it was great to see, you know, the, the young players continuing to stay home. Hopefully we can keep building that and they put the trust in that, that our U18 program that we're really going to make sure we go above and beyond to promote them. And whether that's just through the one nice thing about being with this position now for four years and having the stability, even though it's different uh, teams, whether it's, you know, U16 or U18 is the relationships you're able to form. Right. So, you know, when I started this four years ago, I probably knew four or five scouts in the league. And now, you know, I know almost, I know almost everyone from every team. Right. So whether it's on a really personal basis or just a, you know, just a basis of being able to email or text. So um, I got to work harder than probably the, the coach in Toronto to promote our guys. I understand that. Um, I'm totally fine with that. You know, whether that's this year, sending video clips, uh, sending um, off ice workouts, whatever it is, we're willing to do it. Cause I don't want any of our kids here to lose out. 
And um, if I, but having said that, I also am honest with the players. You know, I think I've can kind of tell who the guys that can make the OHL and the guys who can, and the guys who are maybe, maybe better off to take a little longer path to maybe play college hockey or Canadian college or play tier two. So I'm honest with them up front. I tell them every year at the start, you know, I, I'm never going to lie to a scout. I'm never going to push a guy. I don't feel like is, is, is um, capable of playing at the next level. But having said that, I'm also not going to, not going to ever tell a player to stop working towards his goal. And because I've seen, you know, in my last uh, round with the Thunderbirds, you know, we had the Pilon twins who ended up making Sudbury as free agents at 18 years old, Mario Kalina making the Windsor Spitfires at 18 years old. Um, you know, so there are tons of cases just here in the Sioux and even going back further, the Brett Finleys and the Colin Millers. There's so many guys who just took a little bit longer their journey. And then there's guys who ended up going to play college. So that's the neat thing here is our young guys coming up who skate with these guys who are shoulder rub shoulder to shoulder with them in the summertime. I could, you know, I could say, you know, there's Jared Burton. He's played in the AHL for five years. Now he was never drafted in the OHL. He had probably two or three NCAA offers. And now he's he had a four year, got a four year degree from Clarkson. He's playing in the AHL, the second best league probably in the world. And um, you know, he, you know, he wasn't drafted. So it's, you know, it's, it's great to kind of have those guys. And then, you know, we have our challenges in Sault Ste. Marie with the NOJHL as well with, like you said, being remote and, and um, you know, and, and having some long bus trips and maybe it's not as a vi visible a league as say the CCHL or the Ontario Junior Hockey League. But ultimately, if um, hopefully we'll build a program that guys will know that when they come here, they get better. And that's really what it's about. I think for young players is you have to, you have to make sure you're going somewhere where you're going to get an opportunity and you're going to get coached and you're going to find some people who really care about your development, both on and off the ice. Yeah, opportunity really is everything and, uh, you know, promotion and everything is always great. But as long as you got the the back end of it taken care of, the development, the coaching is in place, uh, you know, the the promotion will kind of just fall in line as well. And you talk about having this community of scouts and that really helps uh, when pushing players or, or trying to see what routes work for them. And the people at My Hockey Resource think it's great to create a community like that. And they've really worked to bring in scouts, coaches, video coaches, um, managers, all these different people from the community and bring them into one place. So for anybody listening who'd like to learn more, be sure to check out My Hockey Resource on Twitter and Instagram. Jamie, on that platform, they talk a lot about different uh, books, articles, these different things that you can learn from. For you personally, what are some of your favorites that you look to or even programs that you look to for new ideas? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting because, you know, there's so many, so much down, um, you know, negative things with COVID and everything, but it's really, it's been really, I've been really impressed with the hockey community, how much everyone shared during this, whether it's, you know, podcasts like yourself or a hockey think tank with Tover Scott, there's, there's tons of these uh, podcasts kind of popping up and they're a great resource. And, you know, I could tell you lots of times in the winter here, our long winters, like where you are um, shoveling and watering the rink and listening to, uh, you know, the Hockey Think Tank podcast, for example, and being like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try that, you know. Um, just one little example um, with Saginaw's uh, uh, head coach, Chris, he was on the, the Hockey Think Tank podcast, and they talked about the video, and they talked about actually the cell phones um, with the kids and how, you know, that's just, everybody has their phone in their hands now, right? Like, and, and they talked about, um, you know, they talked about uh, doing smaller groups, so, you know, we tried, the one, we were in a lockdown at the time. And so when we got out of lockdown, we actually, we gave pretty much every topic you can imagine, you know, offensive zone play, uh, breakouts, um, entries, you know, you name it. 
and we we put small little groups and this was this was something that Saginaw had done and what we did was uh we got uh, we got the small little group four or five guys and they and they messaged they they sent the clip that they were going to analyze for the team to everyone um on our group chat so everyone was able to see the video and you know kind of digest what the video you know if this case you know let's say let's say it was uh, entries that day so they're able to see you know everybody the spacing and and the net drive and our fourth guy attacking and and you know this and that so then the group would would analyze it in front of the whole team and then um you know we may work on it that day or we may not but it was just you know that was as opposed to me doing it right it traditionally it would always be me it's like the coach doing or the assistant coach or whatever it was right so now it was your peers actually doing it so we did that a couple times and it was one of the coolest parts of this season for me we had just an unbelievable start to practice one day and it was after we had done one of these presentations so we did you know we do one on like a thursday then we would skip a practice or two then we do another one then we would skip another two and then we and we just had an unbelievable first 15 20 minutes half hour whatever it was of practice and i was sitting i was standing beside the goalie on the ice and i said wow what a what a pace to practice today. He goes, he goes, the guys are super dialed in. He goes, I think it was, you know, the presentation of that, like everybody was dialed in and, and really focused on that. So I, I messaged Chris and I just said, Hey man, like, I really appreciate you sharing that insight. I said, I'm just going to tell you a quick story. And I shared how great our practice was. And that one of the players, not one of the coaches, not me recognized that it was because of what we had done before we had gone on the ice and that they, that really got them dialed in. So using resources like that, obviously there's a couple books I wrote down when I, you know, when we talked earlier, um, I'm a big believer in being a great room guy, being a guy that every guy wants on their team. You know, we all want high end, uh, high end, we all want high end, um, hockey players. We want skill. We want guys that compete, but the one thing for me, uh, I read a book from John Gordon. I wrote a few of John Gordon's book, you know, such a positive message always. And it's especially during COVID times. I mean, it's not easy. It's, you know, reading a book like, you know, positive leadership. When I went to the rink this year, I had to go above and beyond what my normal, um, how do I say, I'm not, I, I'm not, I just don't wake up and I'm not the most cheery guy every day. Like that's not necessarily natural for me. Um, but I had to make sure every day I stepped into that dressing room, when I walked through those doors, it's, Hey guys, how's it going? Like, you know, it had to be positive right from the start. The first person I saw, it was, Hey, how's it going? You know, not walking by anybody. How are you doing today? You know, I, I feel like I really took another step in that because, you know, I mean, I should be doing that all the time and it's something we continue to work on, but obviously with COVID and so many challenges and, Sometimes the kids were in school, sometimes they weren't. So, but getting back to, I'm a big believer in being a great teammate. And there's a, there's a, um, a book called the hard hat there based on a, a player, a lacrosse player that, that passed away at Cornell. And it just, this guy was so beloved by his teammates. And at the end of the day, whether you're, you know, you're older and you're coaching and you've been playing a long time, or you've been coaching a long time, it's really this kind of, this business, if you want to call it, or passion, whatever is about relationships and, when I coach a player, I want to be able to ask them, okay, like, what do your teammates think about, like, think about you? And I, at the end of the year, I want them to see, you know, I love playing with that guy. That guy's fun to be on the bus with. That guy, that guy will go to the, you know, if I, I need anything, I know I can trust player X to, you know, to take care of me and that. And so all these, uh, you know, I, I'm 
like I said, I'm a big believer. You know, I, I like these John Gordon books. Keeps me a little bit more positive. You know, not exactly Mr. Popular these days, Mike Babcock, you know, leave no doubt that book. Um, you know, I, I like to consider myself a coach that's really prepared. Um, I, I think our team is prepared. I think we really prepare hard for practices. Um, practice for me, for coaches, is when we have the opportunity to shine. Um, I think we we learn as we go, you know, when to when we need to ramp up the intensity. Um, you know, I know, you know, 10 years ago when I started this, every little thing might have bothered me on the ice. And that's, you know, you grow and you mature and you get a little bit older and you realize like, you know, everybody's going to have their off days. And and so, um, you know, things like that, uh, you know, really help with being a little bit more patient. And, you know, instead of kind of ripping on a guy in front of the whole team, which, you know, which happens, everybody's done it, I'm sure. You know, there's different ways and these are different athletes now. Right. So it's uh, it's good. You, you got to be able to adapt. And it's, uh, you know, one and then one I can't leave this one out is Daryl Belfry's new book. Not quite done it yet. Um, but just the way he he, you know, really works with his athletes and gets you thinking differently. And, uh, you know, I literally would read a chapter and then I'd go to practice and we would right away work on something. And just one example of that is just, you know, a D-man um, jumping in the rush and, and, you know, being a net front D man, jumping up in the play, thinking more as a centerman because the centerman was already below the goal line. So he's now actually defenseman and the, you know, the, the, the defender is thinking as a forward and that would actually get him to jump up in the rush for a player who that doesn't come naturally for like some defenseman that does not come naturally for them. So being able just to think about things differently that way, and it's really good. And, you know, I'm, I, I love talking to, to current players, ex-players. Um, Brian Rust is a guy that I like to pick his brain. I mean, he's having another unbelievable season. And he uh, married a Sioux girl uh, or just a girl from down the line, actually. So um, being able to watch him and really pick his brain in the summer times and then being able to help. And last year, just to give you an example with him, you know, he had we were doing this drill and it's just, he does it at a different pace and he just does it differently. Like, you know, there's an NHL, there's a pro rep, right? We call it like, that's a pro rep. And at one point I got all the OHL guys to come down. Um, there was, we were grouped off at one end and then the NHL guys were at another end. And I got everybody to come down and I, I said, here, take a knee and watch him do this. Watch the way he does it. Watch the way he scans the ice, watch the way he, he shoulder checks it. Every single rep is the exact same way. It's like, that's his last rep of the day. And he's the first guy on the ice. And so, you know, I like to pick his brain in that. And I like to think I'm a sponge when it comes to that stuff, but I'm really appreciative of all the guys being um, really open um, during this, you know, everybody had time obviously, but uh, you know, it's been really good to um, for them to share their experiences uh, with, with, with everyone. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, second that. And just the fact, you know, there's, there's other names too. Wes Wolf being one that comes up a lot. Yeah, uh, Chris was, was yeah. on, Chris Lazary was on the podcast as well and, and did a great job sharing his story. And, uh, you know, so many different other names that are just willing to really put themselves out there and share everything and, and anything at the end of the day. Well, I, I, yeah, you mentioned Wes. I mean, Wes, when he got that, uh, I didn't, it's, again, it's a interesting thing. I don't know Wes personally. Um, and then we, um, through Twitter, we kind of knew each other. And uh, when he got the job, I reached out to him for our U18 players. And, you know, we share a lot of the same philosophies. And, you know, I think he's going to do an unbelievable job in Covert. But he was one of those guys that really kind of stepped up. And he, uh, they have the coaches conference there in Niagara. So I watched a lot of those, uh, a lot of those uh, presentations and that. So, yeah, I mean, those guys that 
can share their OHL or professional experiences. It's great. Uh, you know, I, I love learning from that, from those kind of guys. Yeah, me as well. And uh, you talk about learning from people, you know, in, in throughout your career, you always have these people that teach you different things or help you in these different situations. And a lot of times they can be considered mentors for you personally, who are some of those people who helped you in your career thus far? And just talk about the, uh, the overall lessons that they taught you along the way. You know, when I first came back to the Sioux here, Mike Oliveri was someone that I kind of leaned on and got me involved with hockey. And, you know, I learned a lot from him. And even to this day, you know, whether we're talking about players that I have or, you know, the way, the way um, you know, certain players, their style or what they can work on, you know, I definitely pick his brain a lot. And I mentioned before, when I first moved back, um, again, I was working at the golf course. So it allowed me a little bit of time, a little bit of flexibility in the schedule to spend a lot of time on the ice with our NHLers at the time. And there was a lot of guys, you know, Tyler Kennedy and, and just the pro guys, Preston Mitzi and um, uh, Rico Fada and Drew Fada and Cole Jarrett, who obviously now will be associated with, with, with the Thunderbirds. But a lot of these guys and, you know, Trevor Daly and Colin Miller and all these guys that was able to kind of pick their brains, you know, what, uh, you know, how they and watch how they prepared for seasons and watch what they or uh, kind of ask them what they needed to work on and how they work on things and all that kind of stuff. And um, the last few years here in the Sioux, uh, Craig Hartsburg has, has uh, kind of organized a coaching mentorship for, for the coaches here locally. So, you know, a few times we've gotten together as a, as an association with the coaches and just gone in a room and, and uh, talk hockey, you know, and that's awesome. I mean, if you're, if you're a hockey coach getting to spend um, some time with fellow coaches and, and being able to pick their brains and all that, I attended that coaches conference, the coaches say coaches conference there in Toronto two years ago. I mean, some of those, um, those guys that use, you know, some of their information every day still, um, you know, uh, the uh, Ottawa 67s coach there, coach attorney. I mean, you know, the program they're running, I have so much respect for that. And, and again, I mentioned, you know, all the, um, the guys that have been able to kind of pick, kind of pick their brains from in the last year or so during this, uh, this COVID battle here of ours. So, you know, I just try to try to pick up little things from as many guys as I can. And, um, you know, when, uh, when we have issues, it's nice to be able to reach out to some of these guys and, and see how they would handle it and that. Cause it's not always easy at the minor hockey league level. There's sometimes some challenges, but, uh, you know, we're fortunate here. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of people that we can bounce ideas off of and that and um so you know hopefully i'll just keep uh you know looking forward to expanding that network and continuing to learn yeah and it, it does make such a, a huge difference to have those people in your corner and uh whether they're experienced people in the game or even peer-to-peer mentors people like yourself who uh, just have some different experiences uh you know kind of coming up through the ranks it's uh it's great to to have those people to uh, answer your questions and just bounce ideas but now being in a mentorship uh, capacity yourself, maybe going back in time and talking to yourself, just getting into the game or somebody else who's looking to break into the industry, what's one piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful in coaching and hockey operations? Yeah, it was funny. It's funny. Um, I was talking to my wife about this before, you know, when we had, we had some pretty, pretty good success early on. And I was always kind of like looking to see what was next you know, what can I do next or where could I go or what, you know, and it, it kind of almost starts to take over your life a little bit, you know, we're wondering where you're going to do, or can I make a career out of hockey or is, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, for me personally, I didn't play pro hockey. So it's like, you know, will I ever get an opportunity? And it, you could drive yourself nuts thinking that way. And, and I went down that path, you know, I went down that path a little bit when I was coaching the first time with the Thunderbirds, but especially 
you know, and it was just because we'd had so much success and I just kept thinking, man, I wonder if anybody's kind of noticing, you know what I mean? And, and I said to her today, I said, this time around, I'm just going to enjoy where I'm at right now. And there's kind of like that expression, right? You know, just kind of be where you're at right now, be where your feet are at. And so literally I took this new position or the old new position um, to, to run the team again. And I'm just, I just want to worry about that. I want to, I want to make this U18 and this junior A program, the best programs we could possibly, you know, have. I want to, I want to make it a safe place for our players and, um, and just try to forge as many relationships as possible with people through the programs and outside in the, in, in the industry. And um, so, and, and just be open to new things. I mean, that's the one thing I would say to anybody wanting to get into is, you know, just work as hard as you can um, try to absorb as much as you can be confident in, in, in what you're doing, but also, you know, be humble enough to know when, when it's time to ask questions, but that's one thing going forward here. I really want to just focus on kind of where I'm at right now and work as hard as I can and, and hope our help our players have as much success as, as, as they can. And, literally like number 30 or 35 on the list is winning hockey games. I mean, it's really not uh, any type of focus of mine at the moment. It's just purely helping people become better players on and off the ice, helping them with their school, all that kind of stuff. And um, that's kind of, that's probably the difference now between, you know, me maybe 10 years ago is I was just so fixated on all that stuff and where, where my career might go. And I've, I've had so many ups and downs and different paths and, you know, the, the road is winding for me. So I, I just, I've learned now it's just, there's no point in looking ahead. I'm literally focused on, okay, how can we make the program better tomorrow? And that's it, you know, that's it. So. Yeah. The, the short-term thinking and just worrying about the players and development and definitely uh, something that you gain from experience. So I, I think it's a great uh, thing to kind of pass along to, to other coaches and people looking to, to venture down that path. But uh, with that, Jamie, I just want to thank you again for for joining me. I know it was a, a short turnaround here from our initial conversation to the interview, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I'm sure others will as well. So, uh, you know, just hopefully things continue to go well for you and the team and I wish you all the best moving forward. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Take care. Support for the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Manscaped who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada, and for those listeners in Canada, and I know there's a lot of you, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Everybody has had that experience where the trimming has not gone right, and we want to change that. So get with Manscaped, who has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, this is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave and the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. Throw in one of the coolest features, which is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming experience. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quad stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. And if you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand 
for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HockeyMinds at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com using the code HockeyMinds. It's time to shave those balls, eh? I'd like to again thank Jamie for joining me on the podcast and breaking down his career in the game. He offered a lot of great information and really dove into the unique hockey culture of the Sioux, which is always an interesting topic for those outside the area. If you would like to get in touch with Jamie to learn more about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com and I can help make that connection for you. Our next podcast episode, I'll be joined by Trevor Georgie, President and General Manager of the St. John Sea Dogs, so keep a close eye out for that upcoming release. Thanks again to everyone for listening to the podcast and for continually supporting us on all platforms. We have had a great year thus far and only have more to offer moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best. Bye.